Welcome once again to another number one rated business show exclusive. Today we have Coach Joe Tershy on the line with us and he's going to talk about his journey and he's going to give us the seven laws and principles of success. Coach Joe, how you doing? Hey Jeff, how you doing my friend? Doing great, doing great. Awesome, awesome. So you went from being an educator to being an author, to being an entrepreneur, to being a coach, to being a grandfather, to being all these things. And you put it all in, in, in a way that we can understand. I'd love to hear your story. Well, uh, you, you forgot one thing. What's that? Before I, was, before I was an educator, I was a broke kid from South Philadelphia. So we can start there. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, um, when I grew up, I just kind of came from a family. I had nine children mm-hmm. in my family. I had great parents, so great parents. Uh, you know, they, they taught us the right way, taught us values. But, uh, you know, going to get an education wasn't the top priority in our neighborhood. So, you know, for me to go to college was not even a, a thought process in the beginning. Okay. Uh, but my but – my, uh, my family was in the restaurant business. And when I say restaurant business, it was not owning a restaurant. It was working in a restaurant, which means they were waiters. They were bus boys. They were dishwashers. And it just almost like genera- generationally, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I was expected to do. And I did work in the restaurant business and uh, I started as a dishwasher. But, you know, I kind of looked at the situation and I said, you know, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a bus boy and I was a waiter and I just didn't like it and obviously wasn't making any money. So I thought maybe I might have to consider the, the uh, you know, the, the way everybody else is taught. Go to school, get a good education and get a good job and you're going to be successful. Yeah. So I approached that method and uh, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Jeff, I my English teacher, in, I only read one book in high school. And my English teacher, when when I was graduating, he said, "Turchy, you're going to be the best coach, uh, ditch digger, I ever met." Oh and, wow! And I, I didn't feel too good about that, but uh, you know, at the time, I guess he had some kind of uh, warrant for it since I only read one book. But <laughs> I learned the most important principle. I think I'm I'm going to share here is readers are leaders. And that's, mm. that's one of my uh, seven laws and principles that I have in here in my book. And, and while I'm at it right now, I'll, I'll tell the story, but I'll just give, give your listeners uh, the name of my two books okay. uh, that I published this year. The, the first book, it was a simple book, and I wrote it to be simple, really short, to the fact, to the points of um, just having something short to read, but yet powerful, powerful material. So it's called the seven laws and principles that govern success. And okay. it really is, it really is a proven system that I use for my entrepreneurism. Uh, so, you know, if, if they wanted to go to Amazon, look it up and it's under Joseph Turchi. Uh, okay. Last name is T-U-R-C-H-I and they can find it if they just Google Joseph Turchi. Okay. Uh, but again, from a goal setting standpoint, which is important that I'm going to talk a little bit about to go from point A where you have nothing to setting some goals and, and accomplishing 
the things that you want to accomplish. It's in the book. A lot okay. of a lot of principles in that book to get you where you want to go. But the other book that I, I published this year, and again, just from a goal-setting standpoint, in January of this year, I decided to publish three books. And two of them are finished. Oh, wow. And then the tech, the, 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 you know, the goal-setting again is I have a deadline to finish my third book, which is going to be my memoir by December 20th. Okay. Uh, but uh, I have the uh, the second book I published, and I, I've been working on this for about 12 years, just so you know. It's it's called The Quotationary Manifesto. Okay. And it's uh, it's it's meant to be a, a daily dose of inspiration, motivation, and transformation. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, if you wanted to, go to Amazon. Uh, it's, it's a conglomeration of uh, quotations, all positive quotations, by the way, uh, that, that'll help the reader. Uh, get again this attitude because my first book, Seven Laws, mm-hmm. four of the principles are based mostly on goal setting. Okay. The other three principles are for attitude and personal development. And that's where I'll tie back into my story on the personal development end of it. Okay. You know, I went to, I, I went to Penn State. Fortunately, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I had to go to a uh, kind of a preparatorial school to get qualified to go to Penn State. But I did it, and I went to Penn State, and I thought I was great in terms of, you know, I went to school, and now I'm going to be successful. And I became a teacher. Uh, but then again, I, I taught in Philadelphia for over 32 years. Mm-hmm. But, when I, but when I first uh, became a teacher, I looked at my paycheck and realized uh, that at that time teachers weren't making a whole lot of money. So I said, Oh my gosh, I did this, you know, school thing. I got debt. And, uh, I literally was going to come home with $8,900 a year. And, uh, yeah, tell me about it. And I looked and I said, this is not what I want to do. And, and I know for a fact within my soul, within my heart, I didn't want to be broke like my parents were. Mm -hmm. I just, I just didn't want to do it. And, uh, I just had to figure out another way. Yeah. So that's why that's why I go back to readers are leaders because what I did was I just decided I'm going to read some real estate books. And that's that's how I got started. I picked up a couple books on mm-hmm. real estate and uh you know I just followed their the, the instructions on the book on how to invest in property and I did it the first time. And okay. the first First thing I did, I bought a duplex in Philadelphia. I lived in one and I rented one out. So I was helping pay for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But but what I found out was uh, that if you look at a franchise like McDonald's, mm-hmm. McDonald's operates on duplication. Mm-hmm. You can get the same hamburger. Uh, I'm down in Florida right now. Okay. Uh, you left, if I you went, left that cold weather from Philly, huh? I did. I did. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got to go back tomorrow. So, <laughs> and I can tell you where I live, uh, it's a lot colder than it is right here. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause I live kind of in the mountains of, of Pennsylvania. So it's kind of, uh, it gets a little colder than even in the city where my, my, where my children live. But long and short of it is if I bought a hamburger right here, just a regular hamburger mm-hmm. in, in McDonald's, and then somebody bought the same hamburger in Seattle, Washington. That is 
the same exact hamburger. They duplicated it. That's all yeah. they do. So what I did was I duplicated the first process of buying my first property. I bought my second property okay. and I bought my third property. Okay. And before you know it, I'm a school teacher and I had 18 properties I was managing in Philadelphia. So that certainly helped supplement my income for sure. There's no question about it. It was a successful business. Uh, but then again, uh, you always have to think, I, I, I'm going to tell your listeners again, you always have to get to the point where you think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to be different. You just have to be different and you have to have this burning desire to, to just keep growing and getting better. And so I, 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 Again, was was having a successful career in the real estate, but a, a friend of mine uh, was a disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, and he had this raunchy old uh, set of equipment that he was a very good disc jockey, excellent disc jockey, and okay. had a, had some gigs, but uh, his equipment was not really presentable. So I said to him, "If if I presented to him a partnership." Meaning, if I bought him the set of equipment, he did the disc jockey, him and I could be partners, uh, and we both can win. It would be a win-win situation. And it turned out that the agreement we had for a year, I I canceled the agreement within seven months because I saw something a lot more lucrative than just him and I being partners. Okay. To fast forward, uh, my partner and I became the... And I was kind of the managing partner. I really wasn't the disc jockey itself, but mm-hmm. I knew how to, I knew you know, just from how the system was working, how I can run this business and make it grow. So what I did there was I, uh, again, duplication. I, I said to my partner, I said, why don't we go get another set of equipment and have another disc jockey? So now, now you again have the same process. Somebody's working with your equipment, but mm-hmm. you're at least getting some of the revenue. And okay. before you, and before you know it, number one, I was still teaching. Number okay. two is, uh, I had my real estate company. But number three was now over a short period of time, I I created a business that had thirty five sets of of equipment running every weekend, doing uh, different kinds of uh, venues like weddings and and retirements and Christmas parties. And, and there was some, some local, you know, uh, bars in the neighborhood that always had disc jockeys and we were running them all. We became, we became the number two, uh, entertainment company on the East coast. Okay. And again, I'm just going to contribute all this to back to readers are leaders. Now tell me this, tell me this, Joe, how important, like when you started the disc jockey business, how important is it to to actually know that industry? So, for instance, your partner was a disc jockey, so he knew what a good DJ would be. But when you're starting a business, sometimes they say, do what you're passionate about. Others say, do what you're good at. How important is it to actually have knowledge or talent in that particular thing? Or is it something that you can say, it's a good business model, I can learn it. I don't have natural talent in it but I can learn it. Uh, I think it's both. Number one is I believe Jeff, just what you said, you can learn anything. Okay. If you you put your mind to it, you can learn anything. And I'm, I'm just point blank. Uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll just do it this way. I'm a life coach. Mm-hmm. I have people come to me all the time that know very little about goal setting, very little about time management. Okay. Very little bit, very little bit about uh, relationships, which I'm very good at in terms of coaching. Mm-hmm. So the point I'm making is I want to coach these folks to the point where they don't need me anymore. Okay. So they learned it. However, on the other side of it, there's a book out there from John Maxwell on leadership. Mm-hmm. And one of the most important things that he talks about is focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses. Oh, See, a, yeah. a lot of us beat ourselves up because we think we're not good at something. Mm-hmm. Well, his message is this. If for some reason, we'll take an example that he uses. If for some reason uh, you were bad in math and algebra and geometry, mm-hmm. don't focus on it. <laughs> don't, okay. don't find an engineering degree <laughs> and, and try to learn it when you have these other natural talents and skills. And, you know, uh, but I, I still think you can go both ways. You can learn anything you want, but at the same time, don't waste a whole lot of time on focus on things that are going to be hard. Focus on your strengths, things that you know. you. And my strength was always people skills. Okay. I, you know, so my management skills to run 35 different personalities in a company is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, and I, I'm not boasting here. I'm just telling you that I did a very good job because I had 35 quote employees mm-hmm. respecting me. They respected me. And, and the, the key there is always be fair. Be okay. fair to whoever you're working with. You know, you don't want to get over on people. You just want to be fair and honest. And yeah. it, uh, so from there, though, you know, to raise the bar even more, I got to a point. Uh, but you can ask me any questions you want anytime. But yeah. just, just to give you to another point, when I, when I kind of coach – Mm-hmm. I coached to, uh, to uh, a concept of, you know, you were born at a certain time and, I, okay. and I'll, use, I'll use me. I didn't get a wake up call to be an entrepreneur until I was 27 years old. Oh, okay. So, so I went to school and I did all the things we were taught. But mm-hmm. at 27 is when I said, I got to do something different. And that's when I start delving into, and again, I keep harping on this, readers are leaders. I read uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yes, great book. So so with that book, uh, I literally start setting my goals for my real estate company. Okay. You know, and, and he talks about having a burning desire of, of what you want. He talks about clarity. He talks about vision. Uh, you know, and in, in the whole process... Uh, you know, when I coach, we go out there and we do it. We set up a plan that mm-hmm. starts at, starts at point A, and then we shoot out a target, a target that what we want to accomplish in a certain deadline. See, because uh, even even in my Seven Laws book, I have a concept where I call it dream, belief, commitment, goal. Okay. You get this thought. You have a thought that's kind of a dream. I call it the dream, and it's just a thought. But you okay. can, you will not accomplish that unless you put a deadline on it. You will not create a goal unless there's a time frame on it. So that means, for an example, 
Uh, I said, uh, I'm going to have, I'll, I'll just say for anybody, I'm going to have a, and I, I'll use this, I'm not big on cars, but I'm going to have a Corvette by, mm-hmm. 2000, by 2025. Mm-hmm. Now, once you say 2025, you have some really tangible objective there that you can shoot for. Okay. If you if you just go out there and say, I'm going to have a, a Corvette. Then you can push the bar back. Yeah. You can have a Corvette when you're 50. <laughs> <laughs> Which most of us do. Have a Corvette drop top with a 20-year-old in the passenger seat. Yep. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, but, again, just to fast forward, I went from there. And after you know doing all that stuff, uh I raised the bar again, and and, and this is literally what happened. Uh, I in nineteen uh, what was that nineteen ninety five? I decided okay. I decided that I was going to have a farm. Now imagine a kid from South Philadelphia wanting a farm, but I did. Okay. And I wanted and I wanted a beachfront property, and I don't mm. do this to brag about me. Mm-hmm. I do this to let anybody on your show know. Everything is possible. Everything. So I went out and I made it. I wrote this, these goals down in November of 94. And I said, by 1995, I was going to have these two other uh, things that I desired. My goals. One was a beachfront property, which I, I uh, accomplished in uh, July of uh, 1995. Okay. And, and I ended up buying a farm Mm -hmm. up, up a little uh, outside of Philadelphia, closer to Allentown. Okay. I, had, I had 80 acres there, but, and I was renting the farmhouse. So I had some income for that, but that's what I wanted. Yeah. But Now, now let me ask you this. Let me stop you and ask you this. Sure. How important was it for you to write down these goals? Uh, let me, uh, that is such a great question. A great question. Uh, if, again, I'm going back to my book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just look at it here just to... Uh, Affirm your action plan. You have to have some kind of goal that has to be written down. Every goal that you write has to be written down, almost like an affirmation that you can revisit twice a day. And I teach that. I I really teach that because uh, the first thing that I'll give uh, uh, what I call a coachee, Mm -hmm. uh, I like to call them coachees rather than clients just because that's just me. But uh-huh. the first first thing I do is I give them a uh, an attitude quote from Charles Swindell to to just get their mindset that they know and they have to visit it twice a day so that they're going to get this mental attitude that everything is accomplishable everything that they do is a, a reflection on how they feel about it so okay for, for me uh, if you don't write your goals down forget about it they're they're not it's it's in my book. It's, it's just not going to happen. I'm just okay. going to tell you right now. You have to write it down. And this is not from me. This is from other leaders. This is from other other information that I took over the years. Because what I'm sharing with you is stuff that I just fed into my brain. And I, and a lot of times I just say, hey, you know, if you want to have a good body, you got to mm-hmm. work out. And you have to do things uh, to keep your body in shape. Yeah. Well, our brains are the same. You got to feed your brain with the information that you desire to come out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Okay. So, 
so to write to to, to answer your question, it's a, a, not writing your goals down is a mistake, and writing your goals down is not even negotiable. You have okay. to write it down. And here's the other key thing about that: you have to be specific because they have something out there. It's called smart goals. Mm-hmm. And the first thing of smart goals is specific. Mm-hmm. The second one is measurable, an M for measurable, so you can measure it. Yeah. It has to be attainable. And the last, at the end of end of it, it has to be time-oriented. So that's where the time, the deadline comes in. Yeah. Follow me? And, and again, the R stands for realistic. So they're smart goals. And I, I'll just do it another way with you, what we were just talking about. Uh, when I said a Corvette. Yeah specific would be a gold Corvette or a oh. red Corvette. Okay. Now you, now you have it more specific. I'm going to own a red Corvette by the year 2025. If, if Corvettes are, you know, something that you desire. Yeah. My desire was the, was the uh, oceanfront property. And my desire was to own a farm. Yeah. And, so, so what I'm gathering from you, your goal was to get as far away from the inner city of Philly with the cold weather and get yourself on a beach with a lot of land uh, <laughs> as possible. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I got to tell you, I love Philly. I love Philly, especially right now. Are you kidding me? Watching the, <laughs> watching the Eagles and the Phillies. Oh, my gosh. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, They're it's doing like, it. It's fired up time for this for this city. But, uh, <laughs> But I'll tell you what, it, 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 you know, it, I love Philly. So it wasn't to get away from Philly, but it was to have another option, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But, like right now, uh, I in 94, I built a cabin in the middle of the woods woods in upstate Pennsylvania. And my kids grew up and I, uh, I, I had just, it was just land. I mean, mm. again, I just... If we have time, and you cut me off whenever you think so, but I'm this story is going to be a perfect story for you because, and and anybody that's listening, mm-hmm. I when I first met my wife, we were campers. We like to just go camp, you know, find some place in the wilderness and camp. Okay. Well, one weekend we decided we uh, both were teachers. We decided to go camping in a tent, and uh, I, I go to this campground and I got shut out because we didn't make reservations. So I was forced to go to another campground that we usually don't, you know, do this venue. And that was a busy, busy campground. They had like ATVs running all over the place. And it was mobbed. There was a lot of people there. So it wasn't our camping, but we did it. But what I saw there, and again, the vision, what I saw there was a lady who owned the campground. And since I was into camping, I thought, that's pretty interesting. And she was so busy. And everybody was having a blast. Mm-hmm. So I literally went and interviewed her on how she got this campground. And I also asked her a key thing that's going to tie into what I was just sharing with you. How many acres did she have? Mm. And she told me 24 acres. Okay. I left the campground knowing that that whole campground was 24 acres. Uh, I don't know about your listeners, Jeff, but um, I'm just a spiritual guy and uh, – uh, if it's okay, you know, I, I believe in my God, yeah. you know, you know, they can, they can, you know, your listeners can do whatever they want. They don't have to take this. But for me, that 24 acres was key because I'm going to tell you why the following week, my brother <laughs> called me and my brother had land up in the, 
in, in the middle of Pennsylvania and he owned 54 acres, but mm. there was, there was a parcel next to him that, uh, was for sale and he didn't want anybody that he didn't know to buy it. So he called me out of the blue and said, Hey, Joe, can you do me a favor? Go look at this parcel. I said, how many acres is it? Mm-hmm. It was 27 acres. Now, mm-hmm. I already had this dream of this campground, this dream of this lady who was running this beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Hers was 24, mine was 27. So it was a no-brainer for me to buy it. It was a no-brainer. It was, you know, that wasn't by accident. But I wow. end up, instead of building a, a, a campground on it, I end up building a private cabin. Okay. Uh, and I have... Uh, a cabin. But again, there's another book out there. I'm going to recommend to your readers. It's called the magic of thinking big. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the magic of thinking big got me to that level where uh, I can think, okay, I want a beachfront property or I can think uh, I'd like to have a farm, you know, farm, farm like land. But the magic of thinking big here was Mm -hmm. I had this piece of ground Mm -hmm. And then I had some guys building this cabin for me, but what was missing, <laughs> I decided I'm going to put a pond in too. So oh, I, have wow. a, I have a pond on my property that is almost a football field. So you had it put in, so it wasn't I had, there. I had an excavator come in, wow. dig a big hole. And, and what we did though, we, we, we discovered that there was natural springs there. Okay. So when you actually go swimming in the pond and go deeper down, you can feel some cold, cold water coming out of the ground. So, mm. and so the excavator came in and we, we surveyed it and, and he said, there's no question we can put a pond here and uh, this pond will fill up with natural water. And that's okay. what I did. So, so, so I had, again, this property in the middle of the woods which is in Pennsylvania, which is very cold compared to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, I'm just sharing with your with your listeners possibility thinking. That's all. Okay. You know, I, I'm a poor, broke kid from South Philadelphia that all I did was think different, change my thinking. That's all. That's all I really did. Yeah. So, so how, but, how, how, let me ask you this question. How do yeah. you, change that thinking because a lot of times you 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 hear people talk about their success and you hear them um state they're successful but some of them come with the silver spoon you also hear people talk about um uh dreaming big and people are saying well you know my dreams aren't coming true i can't seem to you know i hear what you're saying but every time i i dream i want that red corvette but I'm still sitting in this Chevette, you know, it's a vet, but it's not a Corvette. Um, You know, how do you change that to say, maybe you're not thinking, you know, not being afraid of thinking big, because one of the things I think Les Brown stated is that it's not that people don't hit their goals. You know, it's not that they put their goals too high. It's that they put them too low and then they hit them. Yep, um, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. How do you get over that? Actually, uh, Les Brown does use that, uh, mm-hmm. but I believe it was somebody, I, I'm, I'm going back, uh, it might have been Picasso that actually said that. Okay. But 
Either way, Les Brown, I heard him say it plenty of times. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go a, a, another direction here. It doesn't matter, again, what your circumstances are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your environment obviously affects what's going to happen. And we have, uh, for, what, for whatever it's worth, mm-hmm. 95% of the people in, in our society are negative. Negative. So they're okay. going to think... Uh, with a broke mentality, they're going to think I'm never going to get out of this situation, and and so it's it's a thinking problem. It's okay. not a it's it's thinking problem, and but it's also uh, this is Charlie Tremendous Jones was a a, a motivational speaker. Uh, 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 I think it was like the roundtable top fifty speaker or something. But one of his quotes is, "You will be in five years." The person you will be become is based on the books you read, mm-hmm. but most importantly, the people you associate with. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me give you a perfect example of that one. Okay. As an educator, I would they would call me to go to these meetings, you know, so they can give us all the theories about teaching. Mm-hmm. And then as we had a lunch break... Uh, most of the guys, you know, would get together and they'd go eat lunch and, you know, they'd be doing their thing and then they'd go back to the meeting. Mm-hmm. When I left that break, I had a briefcase and I went by myself and fed my brain with more things of uh, information that I wanted to attain. So I didn't waste it. And I'll give you, a, I'll give you a perfect example. Here it is. Here's my teaching. Okay. We all have 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Now, with those 24 hours, I'm going to give everybody eight hours of sleep. I'm going to give everybody eight hours of a job. Okay. I'm going to give I'm going to give everybody three hours of, uh, you know, uh, bathing, eating, and so forth. So now we're up to 19 hours. Those other five hours that I used to teach when I was a motivational speaker for businesses, which I did that for 12 years, Mm -hmm. I used to teach that there's five discretionary hours that if you took those five discretionary hours and and worked on what you might want to call your craft or took those five hours and spent reading about something you want to do, you know, and again, if we said if you want to become a plumber, and nobody's hiring you. You can still go spend five hours and study plumbing, and then eventually become a plumber through some practice, of course. You know, some practical. But uh, my point is, you can learn plumbing in, in your five hours of discretionary time. Okay. So we we all have the same twenty four hours. It's what do we do with those five hours? And and what I did with them was I didn't go to lunch with all the other teachers. Okay. I took that. I took that hour and spent and and figured out, you know, if it was writing down my goals and figured out how I was going to accomplish them. That's what I was doing for that hour. Okay. Does okay. that make sense? So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So long and short of it is, uh, I, it is just my belief. It's all about our attitudes, number one, mm-hmm. but how we break down our daily routine. Okay. Your daily routine tells you everything. If you look at, if you're going to watch, if you're going to watch TV, and then I know there's TV people out there, but if you're going to watch TV every night and expect 
that that TV is going to get you that Corvette, you're 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 on the wrong dream path. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you you have to do something to attain that Corvette, and 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 there's baby steps to it. You know, everything's little by little. It's, uh, you know, there's another book that I read. It was one of the best books I ever read. Uh, uh, last year, I read about twelve books a year, but uh, okay. it, it was called "Win the Day." Win okay. the day, and and the author breaks down seven things, you know, in terms of how you can, you know, win your day. And, and one of them is just he calls it "fly the kite," which means okay. just little by little. If you look at a kite, a kite goes up little by little when you got it in the air. Okay. Well, any goal, any goal you have, any change you want to make in your life, just focus on little by little. You don't have to have the big chunk right away. You just have to make daily successes towards that goal. Okay. And the other thing he says, which which I love because this is what hangs a lot of people up, is his second principle is called kiss the wave. And kiss the wave means just kiss the past goodbye. No matter what happened in the past, you can't bring it back. Okay. So don't worry about it. And, and, and one of the teaching methods that I have for, for my, my you know, uh, people to come in to, to, to want me to coach them, yeah. I show them right away that the, the day they were born, and I don't care if you're 20, you're 30, you're 50, you, we were all born a certain day and then you became an age. So that mm-hmm. age, whatever they came to me, let's say they're 35. Mm-hmm. And they come to me and they, they, they have some things they want to attain and they need some help with it. So I tell them from age 35 back to the day you were born, don't look back. And I call that portion of their life dry cement. Okay. And the dry cement does not have to bring you down, meaning we focus on our past failures. So I tell them to forget about the failures, forget about anything that happened in the past because it's dry cement. And the only way that dry cement's going to get, you know, brought back up is if you decide to get your brain and use it like a jackhammer and keep digging it up. Okay. So at so at that point though, when we're starting at age thirty-five, I'll say, okay, let's shoot out uh, an arrow two years down the road. Okay. At thirty-seven. What are you looking to attain? So if you looked at me two years from now, what would you want to have accomplished? That's what I'll. That's what I'll ask them. And when they share me what they want to accomplish, then we work on a strategy. Then we work on a plan, an action plan to get to where they want to be. Okay. So, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of, we tied in a whole lot of stuff here. My books, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll just give your readers one more plug for me. The Quotationary Manifesto, it's over 4,000 quotes. Okay. Uh, quotes. Um and if you go to Amazon, just look up Joseph Turchi and, and the seven laws. And the seven laws is just a condensed, I mean, it's such a short, powerful read. Anybody should get it just for the sake of, it's not like you got to read this whole big manual to become successful. It's just, it's a short, powerful book that I, I just took a whole lot of information and put it and made it easy for readers to accomplish it real quick. Yeah. And I actually, I pinned it to the top of the room. And I'll okay. also put it in the chat, and I'm also put this the second book in the chat as well for anybody I, that wants to get it. I appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah. And and and, and just by the way, uh, you have my number. If anybody was interested in, you know, 
hanging out with a life coach for a little bit, they they could feel free to call me. Uh, okay. You know, I still coach. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I like to coach folks that really want to accomplish things. You know, it, you know, and I don't want to. I tell people sometimes uh, if you don't want to accomplish anything, I don't want you to spend your money. To tell you the truth. Yeah. 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 Well, you know that to be coach, you have to be coachable. And, and I, that's a willingness to be coached, you know? Yep, you're absolutely correct. And uh, I'll tell you what, in the uh, I was in a career coaching. I was actually working for a, a company as a career coach. Mm-hmm. And you, you taught coachable. What I thought I, I would teach them, if they were going to be for an employee, if they wanted to be get a job – and be a good employee, they'd have to have three H's because I teach by acronyms sometimes. And the three H's stand for one, you have to be hungry. Okay. Two, you have to be honorable. So you got to be honest, Mm -hmm. but three, just from your uh, words that you said, coachable, you have to be honable, which is teachable, you know? So so I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You got to be coachable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to coach somebody that that doesn't want it or or thinks they know it already. So, oh, you know, you know, some of the tools that I use, I'll, I'll give to my coachees, and and then we might have a two week appointment, and and we're hooking up again, and, and I'll ask them if they did some of their homework, and uh, they'll say no, I did I did this instead, and, oh. and and I would here's what I told one of my guys, and this was a CFO of a billion dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just had his own methods. And uh, I said to him, I said, uh, let me just explain this to you. I said, I consider myself uh, somewhat close to a doctor in terms of the advice I give you, the prescription I give you on a weekly basis. Yeah. I said, so if, if you had like high blood pressure and mm-hmm. me as a doctor gave you some medication for your high blood pressure. It would be like you deciding you're not going to take the medication I prescribed. You're going to go take a Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) And and it looked to me like I was crazy because I actually, I I nailed what he needed in in terms of information. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to him, he told me he read something else about history of a president. I said, (laughs) that that's so incongruent of what we were discussing two weeks from. So I said, listen, I said, I'm going to fire myself. I said. I'm I'm firing me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, that, that and that makes sense. I, I go through it sometimes myself um, with some of the uh, marketing clients that I have, and they heard in a blog, or they, you know, somebody else told them, and it's okay. Well, if that's yeah. the route you want to take, but yeah, I know you, you hire the expert. Let an expert be an expert, and yeah. you know, yeah. so so that makes sense. But yeah. hey, thanks again for coming on the show. Everybody, if you are interested in learning more about how you can uh, dream big, how you can manifest your destiny, um, how you can just live a more purposeful life, I encourage you, first of all, to go to Amazon. Look up Joseph Tershi. It's T-U-R-C-I-C-H-I. T-U-R-C-H-I. Joseph Tershi. And you can see his two books that he has out. He has the third one coming out before um, too long. And um, at least start there. And then if you're looking to reach out to him, um, you can reach out to him. And he he said you can reach out to him directly by phone. 
Now, I will let you, Joe, give out your number. I don't want to give out your number. I don't want to give out your contact, but I'll let you give out the best way to contact you. Um, and you can reach out to him directly and he can um, help you with uh, getting on the right track. So, Joseph, how do you want them to reach out to you? I, I have a website. Number one is it's called Inspires Life Coaching. And uh-huh. now I'll spell that for you because it's spelled a little different. It's I N S P I R U S. There's no okay. E in it. It's Inspires Life Coaching. Okay. Uh, and I actually have uh, a website as well, uh, uh, you know, uh, or a, a, an email, a Gmail. Okay. But it's it's inspireslifecoaching.com. That's my okay. website. And then I have Joseph Turchi at Inspirus Life Coaching. Okay. So they reach out to me there. But on my website is my number as well. My personal number, and I'll give it to you here if anybody wants to write it down. 267-249-5015. Okay. Uh, and the first uh, consultation is complimentary, just to let anybody know, uh, you know, because what I like to do is just see if, if we're going to be a good fit, really, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, figure out, you know, what some of the needs are and, uh, you know, see how we can get you because that's that's the most fulfilling for me. I like to help you get attain your goals uh, through our process as a yes. team. So I appreciate your time as well, Jeff. And, Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, we have to hook up. And next time I'm in Philly, we'll catch a cheesesteak and maybe catch a game and see if the Falcons can go ahead and beat those Eagles. Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I've got a root for them. I've, I've got a root for the home team. So. No, I, I agree with you. I, how about the, the, the dog? You root for the dogs too? I don't. That's the funny part. See, I'm from Virginia, so I'm I'm I, I still root for Virginia Tech. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I haven't converted over to the dogs just yet. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Falcons fan. I'm a Hawks fan. Just haven't done the dogs yet. I I just don't. I don't know. I one day maybe. I'm more of a Georgia Tech fan than I am a Georgia Bulldog fan, which is interesting. Yeah, I I hear you. Know you know well. Again, it's you, you got to really be a Georgian to root for the dogs. I think you do. Yeah, yeah. you do. I, you know, I even though they 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 won last year, I, I'm, you know, I'm not against them, but I'm not a fan. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, if they ever play any Virginia teams, I'm definitely rooting for Virginia teams first. Um, but um, everybody, I, I've adopted every other team, even even the uh, Dream. So I've adopted every other Atlanta oh, wow. team. Wow. Uh, just just not the dogs for some reason. I got a guy uh, that I work with, and he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he was he was born in Chester, which is a little outside of Philadelphia. And uh, uh, and he moved like he was from five, but he was always a, a Phillies and an Eagles fan. Hmm. So so he he cannot root for the Cowboys at all. So <laughs> I had to I had to send him two hats. Uh, of the Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, just like you're saying, though, it's he, he just can't do it. He can't do Texas. You know, there's some other teams in Texas that he roots for, but he doesn't root for the uh, Cowboys. And you know, it's funny because I, I sent a, a bunch of my friends, um, especially from Virginia, um, this this social post that I saw. It was a video. It was funny because the guy was from DC, but he was a Cowboys fan. 
and he's never been to Dallas. And there's so many people that are like that. It's like they're fans of teams that they've never even been to that city before, but they're fans and diehard fans. And I have a bunch of fans back in Virginia that are diehard Cowboys fans. And it's like, you've never been to Dallas. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Washington. What do they call themselves now? The commanders. I'm not a commander. I've never been a commanders fan. Um, (laughs) Even when I was in Virginia, but, um, it's just amazing to me how people are fans of places that, that they've never been. Um, they're not from that place. So it's not a home team. Um, yeah, it's funny. I wasn't a Falcons fan until I moved to Atlanta. You know, when I was in Virginia, I was not a Falcons fan, but once I moved to Atlanta, I adopted everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with you. I, and the Cowboys is one of the the teams that you go across the country that they follow. uh, Well, the same thing with Notre Dame. When you think yeah. about Dame, a lot of people root for Notre Dame that has nothing to do with Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the 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 culture and the hype around it. The I used to be a Cowboys fan when I was a child, but it was the colors. I just like the colors. I, yeah. I, even to the day, my favorite colors are blue and gray, blue and silver. You so the colors um, and the star, you know, and and all the things they did. We'll get into marketing. They did a lot of great things in marketing, you know, even down to the cheerleaders and the whole culture that they built. I think that's what most people are fans with more than the team itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But, uh, oh, man, I, I appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, yes, forward, definitely. Forward to working with you again. Yes, <laughs> definitely. We got to keep in touch. And I, I appreciate all the knowledge that you shared on this show. Um, have a great Great day. Have some fun in the sun because now that you out of the snow into the sand, uh, you can do a little bit of relaxation <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> you got it, my brother. <laughs> All right, Joseph. Thanks, Take, care. Take care. Thanks buddy. a lot again. Bye. All right. Yep. Bye.